Welcome to the Exercises for Everyone podcast, where we talk about all things related to exercise, regardless of having limitations or not. Our guests provide information, insight, and inspiration to get you moving and keep you going. My name is Wendy Kleinke, and I am your host. So let's get started. I am really thrilled to um, bring on this next guest. I have Deidre Wright coming on. She is the CEO of Strategic Stories, and Deidre is a specialist in diversity and inclusion. She fills the gap for diversity and inclusion, and she helps people with personal branding for diverse leaders, as well as diversity consulting for companies. Deidre, I am so thrilled to have you on um, because diversity and inclusion is it's so prevalent in any business and the fitness industry definitely um, needs to hear from you. Like we, we need to hear, you know, how we can, you know, help make sure that our, our people are feeling included and that we're welcoming everyone in and making it an environment where people feel safe to come and exercise with us. So welcome, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you so much for having me, Wendy. I'm so glad to be here. You know, what we try to do as fitness professionals is create a space where people feel comfortable exercising and, um, you know, really kind of build a community based around the particular mode of exercise that you're doing. So what are some ways that um, fitness professionals can create an exclusive environment while still trying to include everyone regardless of their, you know, race, gender, age without, you know, having any types of discrimination? Yes, that's a very, you know, that's a very good question because everybody wants a, like, you know, a premium experience, something that's special, but you also want to be inclusive. I think the key thing is to, to define what health means. Um, it seems really basic, but health means so many different things to different people. Health might mean losing weight to some people, others gaining weight, others just, you know, muscle strength so they could do everyday things. I know, for example, for me, um, when I first got into fitness, I was, I just wanted to be a single mom who can lift boxes by myself and not need a partner to do that. So define what health means, because not everyone's going to think about it the same. And by you defining what health means, we're naturally going to attract people who have the same definition. So whether that's breathing exercises or just endurance and running and, you know, conditioning for certain things. So it's all about defining what health is. So you attract the right um, target audience or avatar, but you're not being exclusive to who can be a part of that health movement or health um, um, process to improve themselves. So that was where I would start to define health for you and be clear about what that is, but make sure it's inclusive to all people who identify with that um, idea or goal for health. That's excellent advice. So kind of like diving into that a little bit further, you know, creating an exclusive experience and remaining inclusive what are some ways that fitness professionals can be sure that they're being mindful of inclusion? Because just being 
non-discriminatory is not the same thing as being inclusive from my understanding of it. Could you speak a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, I always tell anybody who's like, obviously entrepreneurs, start with what your goals are, your business goals, because if you get down to the nitty gritty of what that is, that should be your your um your light leading you so for example of your business goals um you know are you trying to you know impact the community make society healthier and better are you trying to give people confidence with their bodies when they change through life when they go through different stages like get clear on what one your business goal is and what makes you unique and what's unique about your story because for example, just because you happen to be a man bodybuilder doesn't mean that you can't attract women or, you know, people who have different disabilities. It's like it's something about what is your what is your cause and your unique story, unique value proposition that's going to attract people. And you need to be clear about what you're looking for in a client which should be determined by character and goals, not so much look. So if, for example, you're promoting your business and you're only showing one body type and only one racial background, one gender, people are going to, it's hard to imagine yourself as a client of theirs because you don't see anyone who's, you know, reflecting of that. So just be really clear about your, your, your business goals are, what your unique um, value selling proposition is. And reflect the diversity of your clients. If you don't have diverse clients, you got to really think about what about me is promoting or attracting people who aren't diverse? What about what message am I sending out there that makes people feel like they can't be seen or helped by me? So do an audit of your brand and see what's going on and ask, how are you, how are you soliciting business? Where are you promoting yourself on what platforms? What messages are you using? What visualizations? How are you coming across? Because that's going to be the thing is, you know, people say, oh, but I just don't have diverse people. Well, what are you doing to make sure that, what are you doing that's making them think that they don't belong with you? Because, I mean, diverse people, which could be different ages, man, woman, um, all kinds of stuff, fully um, able-bodied or not, they're working out. Now, whether they want to work out with you is going to be the question. So I would start there and then communicate your message and your value proposition and solicit feedback from clients saying, what attracted you to me? How would you find me? Um, you know, how, you know, can you refer me to any of your friends of yours? And really ask those, those hard hitting questions because you probably already have the answers. You just need to go and ask the question to figure out why they are what they are. Right. So it should definitely be something that people are being mindful of, like prior to their marketing, it sounds like, like you mm -hmm. really want to be mindful of thinking about who you, who you help, what you're passionate about, what your own story is. And then before you spend any money on advertising or marketing, you should definitely think about making sure that you are being inclusive. Is that, is that right? That is right. And be, be also audit your client experience. Uh, that's going to tell you a lot of things, you know, what's your schedule? What setting are, are you in? You know, is it now things are virtual because of the um, pandemic, but were you virtual before? Um, some, you know, if you're a, some, someone's busy or a single parent or doesn't have a car, you know, or certain means, they might not be able to get to a physical location. Um, what are the times, you know, like I said, someone is, has a nine to five, it's not going to be the same. Are you in an area that is, um, you know, wheelchair accessible? 
So these things matter. Like it's not about having a fancy gym. It's like, is it literally physically accessible for people? And then are you accessible to different people at different budgets and things? It's, and I'm not telling people to um, devalue their price, but you can have different levels of accessibility for, for um, fitness products and services. So maybe you have a lower end virtual um, video that you do and you sell that or stream different um fitness routines or stream different fitness solutions that's at a lower uh more accessible budget and then for the one-on-ones that's more premium but you can have that um value ladder or ascension of products and services that are inclusive with pricing so that you're not shutting out people who don't have the economic means the physical means and and more to be healthy or whatever your definition of health and fitness is that's so right on so I think when you're building a business, you know, regardless if you've already got something up and running, um, you know, if you're a brick and mortar, if you're one man show, I mean, having policies in place are really helpful to kind of keep everybody in check. I mean, wouldn't, what do you say about um, when it comes to policies about, you know, bringing on having the marketing and that you are being mindful of who you're trying to reach and that you're making sure that you're making your place accessible. Um, I would think writing up policies would be good, even if you're just a, a one man show. I mean, what do you, what do you have to say about that? I say do your research. If you really believe in health and fitness and believe in fitness for all, you would take the time to research. How can I provide that for all. Um, my background is not HR or law, but I will suggest people look up best practices, um, for, one for your industry and one when it comes to, you know, anti-discrimination policies and things along that line. Like I, my background was in insurance. So, you know, that was something that, you know, I thought about for the risk management field, but fitness has to have it literally probably Googling like, you know, anti-harassment, anti anti-discrimination policies and protocols for the fitness industry. There has to be something there. If not, demand your fitness organizations who come up with some common language you guys can use as a template because I'm pretty sure there's institutions or certification organizations that y'all look up to for leadership. And so I would say research um, what's existing, you know, also apply language from different, um, you know, industries you think that you look to. Um, and my thing is document anything that you want to be accountable for. Like, okay, so for example, I'm pretty sure you fitness enthusiasts are accountable for tracking, um, you know, your workouts and your calorie intake and, you know, just also best, your best performances. So if you're, you know, sprinting and running, you're going to track to see what your best timing is. You track what you value. So if you really value this, you will be having some kind of protocol documenting not only for you, but to protect um, the integrity of your program. So if you have to do group coaching, you want to clearly define the values of your coaching program and what you will tolerate and not tolerate. We're not tolerating hate. And so I would say if you do have contracts, clients have to sign, you should have some anti-discrimination or anti-harassment um, kind of language there so that if someone does um, taint your environment with that, that you feel, one, you can protect the existing clients you have, but also have that written. So it's like, Hey, if you, you know, do this, you're kicked out and you're not getting a refund because you want to protect yourself too. So I would say, do your research. 
write down anything you want to track and that you value, especially when it comes to this, but also put that in a way, in a, in an area where your community can understand your values also that you won't tolerate and accountability for their actions to keep that environment healthy and safe for all people. I love that. You know, as a consumer, if that was me signing the contract, like that would actually make me feel a lot better about being in a safe space because sometimes exercise can be kind of scary and intimidating, especially if you're new and you're walking into, you know, kind of uncharted waters as far as you're concerned. And regardless of what that looks like, whether it's a gym or, you know, a yoga studio or, you know, a boxing club, when it's brand new, it's it can be very intimidating and having a sense of security that nobody's going to be like picking on you or teasing you because you're not doing it right or because you don't really know what you're doing. I mean, I almost think that that's very like a like a high level of comfort that you're providing to your your members and your clients. I I love that. Yeah, and I will add this. I know a lot of people get uncomfortable when it comes to these, you know, speaking up. You see these different issues in the news where there's people with discriminate who are discriminating and having really bad behavior and people are like, why didn't anyone say anything or do anything? Well, a lot of times, you know, when you heard the business, you might not have these things written down in your protocols um, or about your policies, but you protect yourself by having it. So you have that hopefully extra confidence, but also you can say, hey, guys, like, you signed off on this. So you understood what you sign up to and have that confidence to kick those people out. So it's all, one is for it's for everybody, but, but also to protect yourself, too, because you don't want to be in a position where someone's like, well, I'm a paying customer, whatever. And it's like, yeah, you are. But these are the co- codes of conduct and you violated them. So it's just it's another set of assurance, clarity and also that confidence that everyone has that this is really, truly a healthy environment because health isn't just about the physical. It's all about the mental um, aspect of things and discrimination takes a toll on people's stress and stress manifests into bad health and obviously high blood pressure and other different issues. That's why a lot of studies have been shown that people who go through discrimination actually, um, you know, have physical, um, a physical impact on that. And so you don't want to trigger people by having it where there's a slippery slope of an unsafe space they're entering to and they're exposed to and they're like, okay, like, do I really truly feel safe because you also have to take in consideration some people might not speak up because they feel intimidated or they don't feel protected but having that clear language helps people you know find their voices or have some kind of tool to speak up for themselves because um it's you know it's scary and intimidating if people feel uncomfortable especially when you're um i would say fitness is such a big deal because a lot of well for me it's it's uncomfortable you know, pushing my muscles to the limit, pushing my, you know, my lungs, my endurance. It's very uncomfortable and on a mind, body and soul kind of level. So people are already vulnerable. So you really want to protect them in your environment. If you truly want to be that fitness leader who is paving the way, you got to protect your people, not only physically, but also mentally and spiritually. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I just recently, I didn't really realize that this was a something that has been happening in the industry until I really started talking to a lot of other fitness professionals all over the world, really. I've, I've been communicating with a lot of them since the pandemic, since we've all been kind of shut in. 
I was really surprised by some of the things that I was hearing from women in the fitness industry. You know, my experience, I work with a lot of women right out of college, and I worked with more women than men. So I was very surprised when I was hearing that in other parts of the country and in other parts of the world, there's a strong discrimination against women. Like there's even, you know, groups that like people have formed that are for women only so that they can have a safe space to talk about, you know, their ideas and exchange information regarding, you know, just like within their own profession. So how can we kind of shed light on the fact that we've got a lot of discrimination, not just happening towards women, but also women of color, from what I'm understanding, are also like, it, it's very, very difficult to, you know, make a space for themselves. So how do we, how do we protect our own people? Um, you know, that's a really good question because at this point, I will say the best thing to do is if you're someone who's a marginalized community, you know, protect yourself how you can. That means a lot of different things. So I'll say one for the marginalized communities and also for those who are allies. Protect yourself. Unapologetically protect yourself. If you don't feel comfortable, you don't have to apologize for being uncomfortable. You don't have to make that person or that institution who's treating you unfairly, underpaying you, undervalue. You don't have to apologize to them for saying, you know what, this is not the environment for me. I'm removing myself. Or you know what, this is not fair. I'm speaking up. For Do not apologize. It's not on you as that as that that person or that you know that group to make the other person feel comfortable. You know, now they might push back because privilege makes people feel uncomfortable when they're called out on their BS. But don't make excuses. If you have to create community, a lot of times these communities are created because we're either pushed out of organization or institutions or not catered to. So for those who are allies, like, well, why is there a women's group or why is there a person of color group or why is this, you know, disabled group? Well, you know what? Clearly there's a, a gap in the system that means you're not serving them one probably at all or the way they want to be served or not speaking to them in a way that is comfortable so understand that and don't take it as a threat but i would say marginalized people don't feel bad for others people that's on them you know but you have to empower yourself and part of it the whole mental health and stuff is like not internalizing stuff and not putting up with that i know it sounds easier than, than it is but that's one thing and for allies there are different levels of privilege. Every Most people have some level of privilege. It might not all be equal, but there is. So you have to actively practice being an ally. Ally does not mean a badge. Does mean I see no color. Doesn't mean men and women are equal. It means I see you for who you are. Well, they are equal, but I see who I see see you for who you are. And it's okay to be different. Like difference is okay. Difference isn't something to ignore or say, I don't see a difference. No, I see a difference and it's great. I actually don't want it all to be the same. And it means also being, a, you know, and I say this for people in all kind of fields, um, corporate or not or whatever, go somewhere where you're the minority. A lot of minorities, whether you're like, you know, people of color, um, you know, women, you know, LGBTQ, um, disabled, whatever, we're used to being minorities. Like we have to go to these mainstream areas where we or we don't see people in leadership positions who look like ourselves. I ask everyone here, go to some place where they're going to be the minority to have that experience and don't dominate the conversation. 
listen and learn. If you want to be inclusive with fitness for all, go somewhere and learn directly from those people what they need, how they want to be served and what brings them joy. Because the best way you can do that is by, you know, filling that gap and serving them, not speak, not speaking over them, not dominating them, but listening and say, oh, okay, let me learn from you how you want to do it. And I think that is the solution. One, marginalized people, don't apologize for empowering and advocating for yourself and allies. Be okay being, being the minority and listening to others, let them lead you to the solution. Yeah. So, you know, it sounds to me like really, if you want to be an ally, you need to sharpen your communication skills by listening first Mm -hmm. and responding, not reacting, but responding based on what you're hearing. I mean, is, is that, am I, am I getting what you're saying there? That's correct. So for example, um, Y'all can't see me, but I'm a black woman, a black millennial um, woman. Um, And, you know, so I guess there's privilege on all levels, but I'm fully able bodied. And I say, like, I don't have any physical or mental um, disabilities or anything like that. And so um, during this whole world, what's going on right now, um, people have been calling leadership a lot of interesting names. And so I I follow different people to get different perspectives in there. I follow some... um, um, disabled activists or activists who are advocating for disabled communities. And here are some things that they're talking about, like, hey, like I get you want to criticize leadership right now, but when you say things like lame or dumb, this actually discriminatory towards people with disabilities. And, and I'm like, wow. Um, now I could have been defensive saying, well, they are dumb or he is dumb, or, but I'm like, you know what? Thank you for telling me. And I own, you know, not thinking that way. And I appreciate your feedback. And so part of these things, literally just listening, you learn a lot by listening and following people who don't look like you or aren't aren't like you. So it is definitely listening, but it's not, it's, how do I say, it's work to listen and apply things and internalize it. And it doesn't happen overnight, but if you actually practice following people who don't look like you or sound like you or don't have the same experience, you will learn and you will benefit and you'll be a better advocate and ally for others. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that. You know, like you were talking about how health is, how everybody has health, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's good health or bad health, everybody has health. And it's definitely some, something that, you know, people need help with. And in the fitness realm, you know, in, in our industry, we we try to help people with that. Like that's our goal and mission is to help everybody have, you know, be healthier than where they started and keep them on a journey of living their best life. And I think it's just really important to think about how we are all people. We're all people, you know, regardless of what kind of limitations we have or, you know, regardless of age, gender, you know, race, regardless of all of those things, at the end of the day, we all came into this world the same way and we're all going to leave the same way. And I think just listening and, you know, being respectful and not reacting is it not only is it going to create a better, you know, relationship that you have with the people that you're helping, it's better business practice 
And at the end of the day, you're just going to be a better person for it. You know, just being a little bit more mindful of the fact that, I mean, we're all in this together. Like we're all here. We don't need to, um, you know, argue with each other. But I do think that we always need to listen. You know, like you you made some really valid points about listening. So can I add I something? Do, can I add yes, something though? Please. Um, sorry. You know, and I tell people this and they laugh and roll, you know, they roll their eyes at me, but I'm serious. Like diversity, equity, inclusion is not charity work. If you start thinking yeah. it from a, and I say this because you're like, people are like, what? It's the right thing to do. And I'm like, honestly, I can't police someone's morals. <laughs> you know, like I, first of all, I can't, I can't tell people they're, you know, they're good or bad or whatever. And I just, and I tell people, cause I work with corporate clients and for companies like, you know, they're like, it's the right thing to do. I'm like, I don't care. Because while I might think it's the right thing to do, I know there's going to be people out there in the world who, no matter what, do not believe in, 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 you know, inclusion. They don't believe in, they will never believe in fairness. You know, I can't change their morals. But what I will tell them is, it's a smart thing to do. Because we know right now, they're mostly women in the world. It's becoming a minority, a majority minority. Um, you know, Latin and Hispanic people are the, the rising population in the nation. We also know that the different generations now people are living longer because of, um, you know, healthcare innovation. So if you only target young, white, skinny people, we also know people expanded in sizes, then you're missing out on a lot of opportunity there, one, to make impact, but also make money. So I think it's about survival. Like if you want to survive as a business, you're going to have to start diversifying the way, the way you operate, the way you market, who you attract, how you're communicating that value, because it's more than just being nice. It's smart. If you want to survive now, you have to diversify and change things up. You have to listen to what's trendy right now. Like, for example, I remember when, um, when we were in the pole dancing fitness crave came out of nowhere, people were looking down at it. That's a whole yeah. industry right there. Yeah, that's a whole yeah. industry by catering to people who, you know, people who want to feel sexy and, and flirty and whatever, and do that poll work. So part of these things is not just about it's innovation, it's survival, it's economic empowerment, it's connecting and seeing ways to innovate, um, you know, different kind of industries. So it's really smart to do so. I want people to start thinking like, where's the opportunity here to uncover new ways to deliver health to people who would not necessarily want to go. They don't want to go to the gym, but we know that diabetes is on the rise. We know childhood diabetes on the rise. We need to start helping people make health a lifestyle. So by doing this calorie counting thing and only advertising skinny folks, like I was telling you, Wendy, I would love to see an ad campaign with like a hefty chick you know, who's in shape because just because you're skinny and it's nothing about anti-skinny people because we also talk about there's some people who are just naturally thin and want to gain weight. But the idea is like, if you have someone who doesn't have a traditional body shape doing something really athletic or interesting or even saying the why they want to be in shape, like I want to be in shape, like for literally for me, so I can like live and be healthy and not a burden to my son. Like that's my motivation. I'm not, I mean, I want to look good and all, but I want to be strong and healthy for my son Others have different goals um, and reasons and motivations. So you have to cater to those different motivations because that's the long-term results is the motivation. Like, why do you want to fit in this dress? Well, because I'm going to go to my 20th high school reunion. I want to feel good. I want, it's like, okay, cool. Let's work towards that versus you 
losing weight or you gaining muscle. Why do you want to do that? Because I want to lift boxes by myself, not depend on some, like these are different things that I don't hear fitness experts talking about. I want to hear more about the why you do something and how you do it versus look at me and my ripped abs. Like that's great. But why do you have them? What motivates yeah. You know, that's what I want to hear more about. Yeah. You know, I, and I love it that you've brought that up because I see a lot of people advertising their own bodies as a way to like try to gain clients. And in all honesty, like you're not, you're not going to get clients that are going to be dedicated by that. I mean, you might, but like what you're talking about, like at the end of the day, like you want to be driving people based on the results that you're offering them, not by the aesthetics, like not by like, Oh, well you can look like this because not everybody can look like that. That's just, that's, it is what it is. And, um, yeah, like it shouldn't be based on a certain body type. I agree with that a thousand percent just because, I mean, I, I know, I, I know it. I mean, I, I just know it. And, um, that's, that's so right on, right on the point too, because a lot of young, young people coming into the business think that, oh, well, if I show, you know, if I show my muscles or show my abs or, you know, show my biceps, people will see what I can do for them. And in reality, what happens a lot of times is they end up intimidating people, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that it ends up being very intimidating. Like I would never show like my my own body as a way to try to market myself because um i'm I, that those are not the types of results that i offer like if you were you know a bodybuilder and you helped other bodybuilders then yes that makes sense but if you're just trying to help people get stronger like you you want to market those results and you want to get testimonials from the people who who you've helped not necessarily you know look at, look at my biceps. <laughs> right. And niches are cool. You know, they work. Um, another example, I, I was part of this program, like when I first got into learning about like coaching and course creation, whatever, um, and course, Daniel Leslie's course from scratch, one of their um, employees and leaders within the organization, she started a program, a course on or live coaching on for Muslim women, healthy eating for weight loss niche. But it was successful because part of it was like tying the faith and different food and the different celebrations because, you know, Ramadan, like you can't eat or consume things. That certain. It's it was just very niche, but it was successful because there was nothing in the health world. I mean, I've seen that was catering to, you know, this population. It was successful because it was niche. So it's also like it's smart to niche down and show different ways because your unique experience as a health professional can help serve other people and. I guess like, you know, that's not about abs or about, you know, you know, was it picking your calories and counting that, but it's like, Hey, let's match our faith with our food and with our family and everything together. And I'm like, that is pretty darn cool. Like I, to me, I'm like, that's pretty, I'm not, I'm not Muslim, but I'm like, that's pretty cool. Like I wish we had these different ways of delivering the solution because it helps motivate people and feel less intimidated, but also feel like inspired and excited and engaged and want to tell their friends. So when we talk about how do you be exclusive but inclusive, niche down, you know, yeah. to different communities who, you know, just to deliver something new and different. So it's not about you can't come, but it's like, hey, like I have the general program, but also if you have this special background, 
and you haven't seen something catered towards you, let's deliver a service for them so that they feel like they belong too. Yeah, you know, and going right to those results that you're trying to get and catering it to the population that you have, you know, um, it's it's definitely beneficial in building the community because the people can identify with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, they can relate to each other on several different levels. So absolutely. Like I, it does get a little tricky. I think sometimes when people think about like, well, how do I niche down and still be inclusive? But when you're including people, like when you're being included, you don't turn them away. You know, I'm sure if I wanted to participate in the Muslim program, they wouldn't turn me away. Right. They'll just learn something. You know? It'll be a different learning curve because you have to learn some new things you probably don't know of, you know, but it's not about, it's not about turning away. It's more of a, how do I better serve and connect the dots for different populations? Um, because, it's just like different learning styles, like, you know, auditory, verbal, kinesthetic and whatever. It's it's not that you're not telling people they can't learn. It's more like, hey, here's a different learning style for you that might resonate differently. And it's nothing wrong with that. Or, you know, what's it called? Was that one fitness studio thing where people were, rot- they do like rotating exercise and it was just for a woman that like, came curves. out. Like, curves. Yeah, like curves. Like, you know, and I don't know the leadership, but I don't think they're probably saying, oh, no trans woman. It's like, if you're a woman, you can go there. And I say that because I think everyone right now is so about what do I say? What do I do? And I advise clients, like, be deliberate with what you're saying or how you define people. Because I had um, a client who was, uh, you know, serving women-owned businesses. I'm like, you need to tell people, like, what you mean by woman and be deliberate in how you you are inclusive. Because otherwise, if you're not deliberate and specific, they don't think you're, you're talking to them. They doubt it. And so you got to be like, hey, it's for this. But this means, you know, all people who are like this, not just some, you know. And so I think that's a really important thing. I think right now, I would say if I had to prioritize things, obviously, is, you know, having some anti-discrimination policy doesn't have to be a statement you put like everywhere like you know like a like a bumper sticker but have some kind of policy so your staff and you can clearly articulate that to other people and also make sure you're uh, price inclusive like I said I know there's some you know high level premium trainers out there but if you can especially with the use of technology try to find a way to have some passive income you can create at a um, at a lower level to make it more inclusive for people to get healthy especially now People's health are suffering for a lot of different reasons, but even from our, you know, uh, binge eating and drinking right now during the pandemic, people are really, um, you know, it's getting really bad. So I think right now is the time to think about that. And most importantly, be clear about how do I promote the 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 why you're doing this and then tell you my process. So the why you want to be healthy because you want to live longer, you want to be happier, you want to breed, you want to I don't know, just like life. And then how I do is in this unique way, which is exclusive part. It's like I do it through my five-step method or my whatever method. That's going to be the exclusive. But the inclusive is it's for anyone who wants this result. But the exclusive is how I delivered that result. Right. Right. Yes. That I think that really helps kind of clarify 
how you can do both at the same time because exercise really is for everyone. And it is important that you niche down because it helps with building the communities within um, the exercise world. And community is so important when you're exercising because of all the things that you mentioned about how you're pushing your mind and your body and your spirit all at the same time. It's hard. And it's, it is, it's hard. And having people that can, you know, participate with you, it makes all the difference. You know, I have like small, like a small group that I train. And um, one of the women in the group is very vocal about how hard it is. And what's great about it is she says what everybody else is thinking. And people (laughs) love it when she's there. (laughs) Because they we, we all kind of laugh about it and have a good kind of a good joke about it but they all love it when she's there because it's like she is she's the she's verbalizing what everybody is feeling inside and it really helps them all feel connected to each other that is and that furthermore is, yeah and furthermore like they don't they they come back for each other. They they are more accountable to each other and they show up to see each other, not just to get the exercise benefits and not just to get the health benefits, but because they're making friendships and they're, you know, they're caring about other people and they're having a good time. So, I think it's really, you know, important to kind of try to instrumentally create those communities because not only do you get a lot of added benefit from it, but it also aids in your results because of the accountability and because of the desire to come back and because of all of the positivity that happens when you are exercising in a community. Community matters a lot. Um, I know for me, I've I like personal training personally because I, I don't like sharing I don't like sharing my trainer. But um, but I've done some group. I mean, I, that's a thing too. But I've done some group classes. Um, and I just think about the ones I enjoyed the most. Um, I remember I went to a Zumba one. It was Zumba with Amber, and Amber is a phenomenal lady in Atlanta. And like, she was a professional kind of dancer, and she had a Zumba style. It was like more like Beyonce style. Like it was just it was just really fun. Like you know, like just hip hop based and whatever. I love that class, and I also went to a. Uh, a Pilates studio out here in the Bay Area. I forgot the name, but I would say what I love the most about it is that they made things their own. Like they made Pilates their own and had like you know different kind of music, and they made um you know the 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 Zumba their own. But there were people of all shapes and sizes and ages. Like Amber's was really inclusive, def- definitely like racially. But I went to another the one in Pilates studio, and it was mostly like older white women. Like no one, I mean, there was few that I would say who would be like the ideal Instagram body, but these ladies had endurance. They were having fun. They were making jokes. They were like, and I went back for that because at first I'm like, okay, is it going to be like, okay, or are they going to like treat me like, you know, Karen or how's it going to be? But they were so like just fun. And I guess they were in shape because me, I'm like, oh, I'm smaller than them, but like, their endurance was way better um, than mine, you know, but partly what attracted me was the fact that they weren't all these Barbie dolls working out. So you have to be mindful, like not saying that people can't be perfect. Like that's, I mean, I I would like to look like a Barbie doll, but 
at the same time that got me, but also you as a fitness leader have to be somewhat vulnerable because I know you're hearing everyone's business or telling you all about their breakups and their money issues and all kinds of stuff while they're working out. So you also have to be share, willing to share your story. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're not willing to be real like that, it's going to be really hard to be inclusive and, and stuff because we're looking to you to open up. You don't tell us your, like, your whole, all your deepest secret secrets, but it does help us connect like with people. So I would say this whole Instagram leader you know, flexing kind of model of I'm going to show you my abs, but not show you my story, not show you my downside, not show you my fears. Like it's really hard to get deeper and get long-term clients if you're not real like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's called personal training. Like you have to get personal with these people. And that's really the biggest difference between the fitness industry and every other industry is you have to be personal with them. They're coming to you for personal reasons. You are helping them with their personal goals and you're seeing them multiple times a week. If you're not developing a personal relationship with them, you're doing something wrong. (laughs) You know, I mean, you, you should be, you should be with the frequency that you see them and the intimacy of what you're helping them with. And it, it should just occur naturally. And if you're, if you're not cultivating those relationships, if you're not making relationships with your clients and members, you're not going to create any, any kind of loyalty. And you're not going to really build a community because it's going to feel like a sterile environment. It's not going to feel welcoming. It's not going to feel inclusive. Right. If you're not, you know, bringing yourself to the table, like you, like you said, like sharing some of your stories and about, you know, where you're from and, you know, how, how you got through some of those hurdles, it helps them but it also helps build that relationship and it helps them understand that you understand. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I know, um, Wendy, you worked in the fitness um, field in different kind of environments like in corporate and nonprofit and whatever. I guess for you, have you seen different ways in which inclusion or exclusion or diversity has manifested itself? Like, is it different in different environments? Um, I'm assuming so, but is it? Yeah, I mean, I would absolutely say so. You know, when I worked in corporate, um, a lot of the upper levels would not come. Like we didn't see them. They didn't they didn't come to the facilities. They were like private facilities that was only for the corporation. And you, you didn't see too many of those people. I mean, you would see some, but you wouldn't see a lot of them. And I never gave that much thought, but I actually had some light shed on that Um probably like within the last couple of years, um, working with corporate clients in a franchise environment. So uh, a few years ago, it was brought to my attention that from like a, an upper level of a very large company, um, she's very, very high up. And she told me, yeah, we have this at work, but I don't use it because I don't want my employees to, you know, see me in that light. I don't want them to see me vulnerable and working out and trying to work on something for myself. Like I don't want that. So I do think that that's actually pretty common um, is where people will dissociate themselves when it is in a corporate setting. 
And then um, when it comes to like a franchise setting, I do find that people will gravitate towards um, like people that look like them. So my clients, um, certain members will gravitate towards me based on who they see me working with. And like the, the group exercise classes, um, I don't really teach group exercise. I, I like it smaller because, um, I, I just like to keep it smaller. It, I feel like you lose the integrity a little bit when you go larger. Um, that's just me though. I'm like a form specialist. So anyways, <laughs> I'm getting a little off track there. No, no, I think but, it's, it's good to know. That's why I asked the question because, I mean, while I can have some basic practice practices and solutions, I want people to understand like it's not all in the same. It's different in every environment. And so they have to have different approaches for different environments and and, and instill inclusion and comfort in this in different differently in different environments. Yeah. And you know, like gym shyness is a very real thing. So I talk about it kind of a lot because when you're comfortable in the gym, you forget about it. You know, when, once you get comfortable in the gym, it's easy to forget that the gym can be very intimidating. So I I talk about gym shyness a lot because people can get intimidated. So when you focus on the results and you focus on trying to have a good time and you don't put the emphasis on it being scary or it being something new or it being, you know, intimidating when you just put the emphasis on, okay, we're going to try this and we're going to see how it goes. Um, It's going to be fun. Or when, you know, you're finding ways to have fun, like with other people. Um, I know that the small group training classes, like those sessions, I find that people that don't come to the sessions that see us having a good time in the gym, they're laughing along with us and they're watching (laughs) us. And I know that those are people that I can approach about potentially coming to the class because they're interested. So, and I know that they're not, that that they're interested because they're like, well, they're having a good time. Look at that. Like, that looks like fun. I'm not having fun (laughs) because the gym is hard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a really interesting point. And so it's with the whole, it's listening and, and, and being perceptive to, okay, like, Who's gravitating towards me and why? Like something that I teach on the um, personal branding side is like, you know, 360 feedback and collecting feedback continually. And so a lot of times I ask people, especially when I get referrals or people, I'm like, what attracted you to me? Mm-hmm. Because something about what attracted to you is something I'm putting out there, and obviously I want to put out my best self. But if some like you know I tell people like if you're if you're getting scrubs, something about you is attracting scrubs. You know if you're attracting like good people, something about you that you know putting that out there. So it's also worth asking the question like, okay, cool. You know what are you enjoying about this? How's it going? Like just having that real I guess self awareness because I know clients come to tell me tell me like I can't. I don't have diverse people in my program or whatever I want it, but I don't. It's like, well, something's not getting communicated that you are inclusive. It's not that you aren't, but it's more being more mindful of that. And also for those who have franchises or, or, you know, have a team of people, I would be mindful to, you know, have a diverse team for different reasons. Like obviously on age level, experience level, um, language level, like, you know, so many different languages spoken. Um, and we're in such a globalized world now that 
you can't assume everyone has the same background, but it would be really smart to have people who speak different languages and able to commute on, uh, communicate on cultural levels, different things. So if you haven't thought about that, I'll be very, I would strongly advise you do that because you're missing out on opportunity just because you don't have someone who can speak a language and communicate and, and have that bridge between different cultures. So I would say be very mindful of that. Um, and also, you know, mentor and, and teach the next generation. There's a lot of people right now who want to get in fitness. They might be intimidated or not know where to start. But if you're of an older generation or experienced, reach down to the next, like mentor, be to be a part of, you know, bridging the gaps between, dif- between different generations. Because um, I also know there's ageism. Some people might just yeah. judge, oh, this person's old. So they have no, you know, no value. Well, no, they do. They've been working this long. They must know something. So there has to be a way that we don't, um, we don't discredit people or devalue them for being overly knowledgeable just because of the way they look. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you can't think too that on the ageism, like just because they're old, does it mean that they only help old people or does it mean that they only know about old people? Chances are good that somebody who's older probably has experience in everything. You know, that's probably the best trainer that you could possibly get is somebody who's older. Right. Um, but I kind of wanted to kick back to something that you were talking about with feedback, because I find that um, feedback is a really big part of engagement and of like building those communities and creating them. And I think it's important. I think it's important to note that um, feedback should be obtained i find that it's a it's a part of engagement that people off like will often drop the ball on and that you don't realize that you have to go at obtaining feedback in multiple ways so it's just like with learning you have to you know teach people in different ways like you have to say things multiple different times sometimes you have to demonstrate from different angles you know like when you're working with a client like you you have to talk to them in different ways, because people hear things differently. The same thing goes with feedback. Like you can't just say, Hey, I need you to fill out this survey and expect everybody to do it. (laughs) Like you have to be willing to like manually take it for them and just, you know, have a conversation with them and get it that way. Send it to out in an email, have a form available. Like there's different ways that you can get feedback from people rather than just having like the, the one method that you might think of. Right. Well, so. one thing one thing I always do, and I don't know about you, um, and it sounds pretty basic, but I I'm just natural. I always ask because the, also the thing is like miscommunication and misunderstandings, and especially if you're doing different generations, different cultures, different. Gen- it's like you could things can get sideways really quickly. But I always ask like, hey, what's the best way you like to communicate? You know, it's you know for clients like is it email? Is it phone? Is it text message? how do you like it? Do you, I mean, I'm a, I'm a candid, I tell them I'm a candid person. I'm very, very, I'm blunt. Do you want Mm -hmm. me to be blunt? Do you want me to break it down? Like, what do you want? So one to get awareness, but also get that permission. Like, okay, you told me you want feedback this way. So I'm going to give it to you the way you want. Also, how should I collect it for you? So that way it's not just me saying something to somebody else. It's like, I'm asking, Hey, how do you want this? What's going to be the best situation? How do we, how do we limit 
are, are you know, issues that we can have because we have a mutual understanding and respect for each other. And I'm not assuming that you're unhappy because you haven't texted me. It's like, well, maybe they like emails. Maybe they like phone calls. Like it's, you don't have to have a one size fit all, but you need to ask that on during onboarding, like from jump. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to throw in here too, is you shouldn't discriminate either because when it comes to that, because some people think that people who are older don't want to go online or they don't want to do email and that couldn't be further from the truth. It all depends on the person, you know, like I grew up with email and I hate it. So I don't like email. (laughs) I mean, I use it because I have to, but like that is not my preferred method. So if you ask me for my preferred method, that is going to be last on the list. Like last. (laughs) It's like with me and with us hooking up and like via phone, you're like, it's phone. I'm like, I just need a Zoom break. Like I've been Zooming (laughs) to I I can't Zoom no more. I love the phone. I loved it that you were like, let's just talk on the phone. I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like Zoom everything. Like I'm always on on Zoom. So um, I, I definitely hear you on that. Um, anything else you would like to add? Where can people find you? Like where's the best way to connect with you? Like if, you know, I, I have a pretty broad audience here and I know there's probably some businesses that could use your help. What would be the best way to get in touch with, you know, and with you for your expertise? Yeah. So just to clarify, people know out there, I I saw the diversity inclusion gap in two ways. Like I said, I help diverse leaders be industry celebrities to rethink the way we see leadership that's inclusive. And I also help consult companies on how to be more inclusive for business growth to generate more money, get more clients and just you know, live that dream. So if you want to talk to me about that or just chit chat about anything, you can find me at www.djerright.com, D-E-I-D-R-E-W-R-I-G-H-T. You can find me on LinkedIn at DJ Wright, um, also on Instagram and Twitter at at DJ Wright, but it's Deidre Wright, like you're writing a, like a novel. So you can find my information, but honestly, just start by you know, start where you at, you know, don't try to save the world. If you can improve fitness and be inclusive, you're already doing a good thing. So thank you for listening. And thank you, Wendy, for working with me on on this. I just love the fact that you brought the conversation up. Absolutely. You know, this is this podcast is just getting started. And I really wanted to bring you on right away because I want to set the tone for, um, you know, all the reasons that we talked about today. Like, I just think it's really important, especially when you're talking about trying to reach multiple people and, um, you know, we, we want to be inclusive, you know, exercises for everyone. That's, that's what, that's what we're talking about here. So I thought it was really appropriate to kind of set the tone for the podcast in general about, um, ways to be inclusive and ways that you can, be exclusive and deliver, you know, deliver great results and build strong, thriving communities. Like you said, it helps for your business as well. So this has been really, really wonderful. And I would love to have you come back on at a later time. Um, You've been an excellent guest. I'm I'm thrilled to to have you here. And I really appreciate you taking the time to, to come and talk with us today. So thank you so, so much. Thank you. All right. It's been great. Thank you so much, Deidre. One more thing before you go. 
As a fitness professional, I have a great love of exercise and a passion that there always be a space for people to get together and enjoy the types of exercise that they love. If you're interested in learning tips and strategies to help you build a fitness community of your own, please join us on Facebook. We have a free group called The Lifted Community where we talk about these ideas. Just search The Lifted Community on Facebook. I'm looking forward to seeing you there.